This podcast is part of the Podcast Arcade Network. Welcome to episode 57 of Paranormal Dads. I'm your host, Eddie. I'm Andy. I'm Pat. Join us as we go in search of the world's monsters, myths, and mysteries right here on Paranormal Dads. It's been such a long time. Turn me down, Pat, because I'm hot and spicy. You're kind of hot there, bud. Sorry about that, bud. Sorry about that. Uh, welcome, everyone. Welcome us. We're sitting here around the, the nights of the, the paranormal dads of the round table here. It's been a hot minute since we recorded, and I do mean hot, because it has been triple digits here in Omaha, Nebraska. You guys sweating your uh, Bigfoot boulders off? You know, I've got a kid who was in a marching band this week, oh and they're gosh. like, you know, people falling on the field. It's like, who can who can march the most before everybody just passes out? Oh, my gosh. That's the and best. And at that point, they go inside, and they just practice their uh, Schubert or Brahms or Beethoven or whatever. Anything. It is that, gosh, I can't believe that. And they're in, like, wool uniforms. Well, yeah, but they're in T-shirts and shorts oh, for band camp. Okay. It's a little more cash for camp. Oh, so. good. But uh, he's, he's having a good time. He's loving it. And it's just scary, though. Summer is fading fast. Yeah. It's going away quickly. Oh, we got less than two weeks before school starts. Yeah, I know. Yeah, the kids are not happy. I know this is going to uh, make some people roll their eyes, but I'm, I'm kind of excited for fall because fall is our time of year. And I know that may uh, rub some of the beach lovers the wrong way, but we, we love the fall. We love Halloween because, you know, when the leaves start changing and the candy comes out and the ghosts start uh, coming around, that's that's my favorite time of year. So oh, I'm yeah. I'm good with fall. Yeah, I got to agree. I think fall is my favorite season. The dimension between, like, realities kind of thins just a little bit. Becomes paper thin. So thin. And uh, also, you were saying sweating off. Uh, I'm sweating off my Mothman mothballs. Sweating them <laughs> off. <laughs> It's so hot. You're not but you're rocking the tank top. Eddie is known for his tank tops. You should you should have your own clothing brand of tank tops. Listen, Crazy Uncle Eddie's tanks. Ooh, I, I love it. We uh, we at Paranormal Dads have a lot of lofty business ideas at some point in time. That should be the ones like Crazy Eddie's tanks, Paranormal Eds. Speaking of paranormal normal dads fashion, uh, I was out in Indianapolis for a few days uh, with my son for a bowling tournament, and mm -hmm. I actually got called back due to some storm damage at the house. I got on a plane and came home a, a little early. But um, I was out there for probably three, four days, and I did not realize I was wearing two different shoes the entire time I was out there. <laughs> yes. I had two different styles of black sneakers on. I didn't even realize it. It's like, oh, I got my dad game right. <laughs> Dude, or, or maybe people were impressed and they're like, man, Omaha's ahead of the curve on fashion yeah, here. This is a new this thing. Guy, man, y'all wearing this matching shoes? Lame. Should I wear this pair or should I wear that pair? Let's wear them both. He's wearing a dress <laughs> shoe and a white New Balance shoe. He's <laughs> like, what's up? <laughs> it's going to be the new peanut butter and jelly of fashion. Just smoosh them together, buddy. It's like the yep. mullet of shoes. Yep. <laughs> You're like, I got professional on the right and party on the left. Let's do it. <laughs> I 
like chocolate. I like peanut butter. Let's put them together. Make a Reese's. Oh, man. Reese's peanut butter cup. Well, now that we've got you nice and hungry talking about treats and sweets, uh, let's get right into the recent sightings, boys. Okay, so for recent sightings, I was scratching my head trying to come up with something unique and and fairly recent. And I, you know, I was thinking, okay, we've done the UFO thing a bit. I thought, how about recent Bigfoot sightings? So I hopped on the the BFRO, the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization, and on their website they have a whole breakdown, state by state, on how many Bigfoot sightings have been seen there, according to the official records, and they have it broken down as as far as uh, recent sightings uh, per month. So there's been several sightings in July, June, May. Um, so if you guys want to, we can kind of get into that. And uh, But first, I, I thought it'd be kind of fun to play a little guessing game because I'm, I'm looking cool. at cumulative sightings. We have a cat on the table. Hold everything. We have a cat <laughs> have on a the table. Darwin invasion. <laughs> Darwin is here. Buddy. Speaking he's, of hairy creatures, my cat Darwin, he just jumped up here on top of all of our equipment. Praise Eddie in the face. He's just, <laughs> he's just going to chill. There he is. All right, Darwin, Sweet. you can join the podcast. All right, there we go. Fourth man on the team here. All right. So, sighting state by state. I'm going to get give you guys, um, I'm going to start high. I'm going to come in hot here. The most sightings that I have found per state is Washington with 697 sightings. Not surprising. 697. That'd be my go-to guess. Uh, fewest, I think there's a tie for the fewest, five. Uh, Rhode Island has five, and Delaware has five. So that just kind of gives you a, a little, you know, guesstimation there to see if you can figure out. So uh, name a state, Pat. Okay, I'm, I'm going to be devil's advocate here. Hawaii. Oh, Hawaii. All right, let me find Hawaii. Good old Hawaii. Where are you, Hawaii. See, I thought Hawaii didn't even they have one. They don't know. Oh, you yeah. stumped me. They don't have any official like, sightings. Yeah, when you said those other two states were the lowest, I'm like, what about Hawaii? I thought they didn't even have They're one. They're not even on the list. Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> Poor Hawaii. Okay, pick another state. Okay. Um, Kansas. Kansas. All right. Eddie, how many sightings do you think have taken place in Kansas? And I'll, I'll just say this is higher than I would guess. This is total... Total since records of uh, since official records in have been Kansas. Yep. Carry on my wayward Sasquatch. <laughs> I'd say five hundred. <laughs> no, you're coming in a little high there. Forty nine. <laughs> oh, forty nine. That's why I say Washington at what was Washington six hundred ninety seven okay. is by far the number. Oh, so that's ground okay. zero. Six hundred is ground zero. Okay, yeah. that, that so. helps me out. I didn't know. We, we're, now we're getting a gauge. <laughs> now we're getting a gauge. Five million. Uh, Five by the million way, our home, our home state of uh, there's a whole shopping mall of them down <laughs> near Lawrence. <laughs> I see them every day around here. It's crazy. We see them by the dozen. It's like North Pole and Santa Santa Vision. Here in Nebraska, we've had 15 sightings, so that's, okay. you know, we're on the lower end. One of those was a confirmed Pat Ply sighting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> One of them was Pat. I just had my shirt off. I was <laughs> walking around. Shirtless Pat Ply sighting. <laughs> it's funny that Sasquatch had two different kinds of shoes on. <laughs> <laughs> He's wearing New Balances on one foot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Eddie, choose a state. Uh, I'm going to go Florida, man. Right, home Florida. State. Florida. Pat, how many do you think have been sighted in Florida? Uh, hint, it's it's towards the top top tier of okay. states per, um, in terms of sightings. Let's go uh, 
237. Not not a bad guess. Uh, 333. Ooh. What you're getting is that swamp ape right there. You're getting swamp ape. Yeah, it's a skunk ape. Yeah, skunk ape. <laughs> smells are, like. Those are stinky. Butts. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of, lot of boggy swamps and, and, and bayous and, uh, well, the Everglades, right? Well, yeah, the Everglades. Yeah. I'll tell you, I was just there and we can, you know, I, I didn't recently cite anything other than a bunch of, you know, snakes and frogs and stuff. But um, where I was staying was basically a giant, huge wetland area. And at night, it sounds like a jungle. It's, yeah. I mean, there are, it's nuts. That's before I saw a monkey going through. It's <laughs> like, whoa, what's going on? <laughs> what kind of snakes were you seeing? Uh, like just like, you know, regular like garden snakes and stuff like okay. that. But also they had like water moccasins. No anacondas. Or no, my like anaconda that. didn't no. want none. Oh, no. Sun. But um, yeah, it's yeah, it's crazy out there. Uh, okay, how about uh, the great state of Pennsylvania? Well, let me guess. Mm, 102. Really close, Eddie. You get a you get a gold star for that one. Uh, Pennsylvania, 119. Look at me oh, go! Wow. Yeah, Look at you. It's about as close as you can get. I am one with the Pennsylvania. <laughs> All right, we're gonna go. Uh, we're gonna go down to the Lone Star State, uh, Texas, Texas. Pat, what you think? What's your guess there? Oh, I'm thinking. Uh, well, you know, you got your. Uh, what's the one down in? Uh, oh, they made the movie about it. Boggy Creek. Boggy Creek. Is, yeah. Isn't that Texas? Was that, or that the, Oklahoma? I'm not I can't, sure. I can't remember. I, I thought it was Oklahoma. That, that might be Oklahoma. It's it's Texarkana, something yeah. like that. I, yeah. Uh, Texas. Let's let's go. Um, 257. Even closer. What? 251. Whoa. Oh, nice. With a high five. <laughs> All right. I got to give you each one more <laughs> since you're apparently really good at this game. Uh, how about, uh, here's one kind of close to home for us anyways, uh, Missouri, which we actually uh, went on a Bigfoot expedition uh, in the Ozarks of Missouri. Very squatchy. Missouri. Pretty squatchy. And it's it's a high number. It's a little it's a little less than, than I would have thought, but it's still a high number. What I'm, do you think, Eddie? I'm going to go 83. Uh, Missouri actually 165. Wow, yeah. almost double. Look at me, I'd... but it is squatchy down there. It's squatchy. Yeah. I mean, it's nuts. We were driving through there. I mean, they have trees upon trees. You're getting kind of closer to the kind of low lying mountain type areas. It's it's pretty squatchy. I mean, right now the ghosts of our Bigfoot calls that we did are still out there somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> mine's more of a Tarzan scream. But, I loved it. You know, <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> yeah, did, you didn't have that kind of oscillation of your vocal, oh, vocal cords there. I think half of uh, that bag of trail mix I dumped out is still somewhere, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot you spilled the trail mix all over that poor guy's back seat. Well, I yeah. went to go grab it. It was pitch dark and didn't know the bag was upside down. What you gonna do? <laughs> <laughs> You could hear he the probably M&M. threw that vehicle away. He was like, his back seat's toast, you man. You hear the M&M's just rolling. Just <laughs> melting in the hot sun. All right, oh. we're going to do one more here, Pat. I'm going to throw you uh, an, a state that's actually pretty notorious for Bigfoot sightings, uh, Oregon. Oregon, that's going to be another tough one. Um, I'm guessing it's high. I'm going to say 312. Pretty close. Uh, 258. 258. Yeah, Oregon comes in at a 258. Couple honorable mentions here. Wisconsin, actually known for more werewolf sightings and mm-hmm. dogman sightings than Bigfoot nowadays, but Wisconsin's at a respectable 103. Nice. Uh, Ohio. Ohio is kind of the dark horse yeah. of the, or the whole bunch here. A lot of Bigfoot sightings in Ohio, 312. Wow. Well, I don't know if the Ozarks technically stretch into Ohio, but I know, uh, you know, the folks that we were down in the Ozarks with, they they were very familiar with Ohio Bigfoots. Yeah. 
Well, I just got back from a family vacation in uh, South Dakota, and uh, the Black Hills, pretty squatchy. Yeah. Uh, Badlands, not so much. Badlands, they don't they don't even have any trees. It's they like got a those mini tall green canyon. pine trees. And- yeah, but the Badlands, pretty squatchy. South Dakota, sitting at 19 Bigfoot sightings. You yeah. Got North Carolina, 104. Uh, but you know the the cool thing about this website that I'm on the BFRO, it it like I said it kind of breaks it down as as far as recent sightings, uh, cumulative sightings. It has a little bit of everything on here. So reports recently, uh, they have a few listed here. So reports posted since July 1st of 2021. So these are pretty darn recent actually. But some of these, although they were reported recently, they actually happened a long time ago. So it's kind of one of these cases of a person finally got the courage or whatever to to officially make the report. But um, one of them actually happened in July, let's see, July of 2021 in Mahoning County, Ohio. It was a class, what they call a class B sighting. A couple returning home uh, apparently spotted a Bigfoot uh, crossing their driveway outside of Columbiana. That's got to be creepy. Dude. That's <laughs> no, next level. That's when you get that, uh, what is that, ring doorbell? <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, For sure. Normally I'm pretty reclusive, but with these house prices, even I want to <laughs> take advantage of these deals. It's like, forget Amazon porch pirates. You're going to squat yeah. a Bigfoot yeah. coming across your front driveway. Bigfoot done stole my package. <laughs> Let's see. There's another one that uh, took place, uh, Class A sighting, uh, and this was in Washington County, Wisconsin. Uh, I can just imagine a Bigfoot walking around with one of those foam cheese heads on his head. <laughs> on his head. <laughs> right on his head. Uh, but this was a motorist uh, saw a Sasquatch, uh, let's see, 25 miles northwest of Milwaukee. So getting pretty close to a major city there, Bigfoot, right? What if you bought some New Balance shoes, and the next day you see Bigfoot walking around in your shoes? Oh, he was porch pirating, and he's like, "I bought those on Amazon." <laughs> stole your new balance. His feet are just ripped right through. <laughs> His toes are sticking out in the front. Man, you mentioned, uh, you know, stealing off the porch. That just came to mind. Bigfoot just stole my. New I put your Bigfoot in shoes. Well, um, he's wearing my tank you know, top. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Bigfoot. <laughs> These, the recent ones kind of run the gamut. I mean, everything from a motorist seeing it across the road to some people seeing it in their driveway or on their property. A couple of them were like wood knocks and howls, which you can't discredit, but no, uh, I but think that's why they have it breaking down, broken down by you know class A, class B, and so on, right. as depending on like how up close and personal was the encounter. But yeah, it's just something for our listeners to to check out if you want the BFRO. Uh, Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization has cool stats. If you're a numbers guy, that's kind of cool to look up some of those numbers. You can kind of get an inside view of how they, you know, what they include in their reports. It's it's kind of interesting, you know, what kind of things do Bigfoot, you know, uh, the people who investigate Bigfoot, what kind of things do they ask the people, the witnesses? Yeah. So there you go, a little, little something to leave you with there. And if you have had a sighting, not only report it to the BFRO, but shoot us an email, give us a call. Uh, find us on social media because we'd love to hear your sighting as well. If you see anything, I mean, that's the thing. If you see anything, let us know. And we would feature it on the on our show at this point. I mean, you know, provided it's something that's somewhat legit. Don't be the... Don't be, <laughs> <laughs> it's, all my, it's all Bigfoot. It's like the, their uncle. <laughs> He's got big feet. I was on the radio once, you know, taking questions from callers. And it was a live show. And they usually screen the callers. This one... This one jack wagon got through, and it, I don't know. It was this, and right from the get go, he started talking. And I look at the DJs, and we all roll our eyes, 
because you could tell he was lying. He was just making up the story as he was going. He was like, this giant dragon creature with like um, six, I mean, nine wings, like swoop down and grab the top of my car. <laughs> I mean, I think we cut him off before it was over. But you yeah, if you have a legit sighting, call us and maybe uh, your, your uh, story can be featured on our episode. There you go. But with that being said. Uh, next segment's pop culture, and I do believe Mr. Uh, Mr. Pat is up for this one, right? I do, and don't touch that dial. It's time for pop culture and the paranormal. So think back to your childhoods, mm. men. Think back uh, to your first experiences with television. Okay. Oh, okay. And and what was television like when you guys were a kid? Uh, do you know a life without cable television? Do you guys? Yes, but we watched so much TV that the te- the television's name was Mommy Number Two <laughs> in the house. <laughs> um, <laughs> we watched a lot of TV. Uh, we did outside stuff too, but it was like a strict balance. It was like TV and then outside. But uh, yeah, there was a time where we had no cable TV. How about oh, you, Andy? Okay. I, we were uh, thankfully one of the fortunate families in the neighborhood that that always had cable. You know, and it was so simple back then. TV was like you had cable or you didn't. Now right. it's like, do you have Apple TV? Do you have Hulu? Do you have Netflix? Do you have this and that and the other? It's right. like, yeah, we had, we had cable. Uh, I think mostly because my dad was a big sports fan. And if he had cable, you got the ESPN and then eventually ESPN2 and HBO and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So cable didn't come around for me till I was, you know, probably, I don't know, 11, 12, 13, something like that. Mm-hmm. So I, I do have an experience with with television and in our market in Omaha we had three channels well actually there were about four or five there was channel three channel six uh channel 12 and 26 were like the uh the public broadcast stations uh and we also had uh sometimes on a good day you could pick up channel 10 and 11 which were in Lincoln and and so on a good good day you could get certain channels um a couple of those channels were on the UHF frequency, and that's kind of where, where today's story starts, is, is the time when the United States, uh, the FCC opened up the UF, UHF frequency and brought in uh, you know, a whole slew of, of more channels that, that television stations could use because because let's educate some people here there's two there's two essential channels at the time right there was vhf right right and then uhf and uhf what was the difference between the two i i I, well it has to do with their radio frequencies and i i think the the vhf had the stronger frequencies where the uhf um you had to use like a different tuner, a different antenna. I remember that to, to, to get those. There was a slider we had back in the day. You could switch from VHF to UHF, right, on the TV even, and like and a- then that would switch between which antenna you were using yeah. on your TV. Yeah. So the interesting thing about this, where I'm going with this, is there was one channel that never existed. <gasps> well, it existed, but it was never used. Okay. And the reason it was never used was because of extraterrestrial life. What? Channel 37 was never used on the UHF bands, and I'm going to tell you why. So in 1952, the Federal Communications Commission lifted the ban on ultra-high frequency for 
Television, UHF. From that day onward, the number of American television stations would increase from 108 to 2,051 all at once. So yes. like by the flip of a switch, all these new frequencies became available for television stations to apply for to get the rights to be able to use. Well, about the same time in a place called Danville, Illinois, uh, the University of Illinois was building a, um, a huge radio telescope. And th what they would do with this telescope is they're listening to deep space for the sounds from extraterrestrial sources. And so, um, and I, I think it's kind of funny that this, this is built, this huge, you know, it's like an acre in size, this, this radio telescope. And it's built in Danville, Illinois. That's I'm hilarious. just I'm thinking Phineas and Ferb. Yes. Yes. <laughs> because that's where they lived was Danville. Danville. It has they, to be connected. They, they, yeah, dude. they they never came out and said that. But if 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 you've never watched Phineas and Ferb, you need to check them out. It's, yeah, it's, it's a, a great hilarious show. kids tel television cartoon television show. Anyway, um so the guy who played the central role in construction of the telescope was George C. McVitie. And he recalled that it was necessary uh, that that 600 megahertz band, uh, so channel 37 falls in a band of our frequency, goes from like 600 megahertz to uh, I think somewhere in the neighborhood of like 618 megahertz. And they, they finally found the 610 megahertz frequency was the sweet spot for the telescope. And so that actually falls right in the middle of where channel 37 would be. So for these guys looking, you know, kind of looking out into space with this frequency from 600 megahertz to 618 or whatever it was, it would be like you're looking through a three-pane glass window and the middle pane is painted black because if you stick a channel 37 in there right in the middle, they're not going to be able to hear anything in that that area yeah and so they very quickly once the, they opened up these frequencies they came to the fcc and, and you know filed a dispute and they said no you can't do this we need that those frequencies dedicated to radio astronomy um you know specifically and the fcc you know in the interest of making money and for people they they, they, they declined, and um, so a few stations did start to pop, pop up on Channel 37. But um, it was kind of odd that after, um, after a group of scientists came to the FCC and, and uh, really started to kind of uh, ma make a, a ruckus about this with people or at the FCC, People started to catch on that this this was preventing us from trying to find out about life out in outer space. Right. And so they even went, the f interesting thing is they went to the media, the scientists did. And so, it, you know, I'm thinking, well, radio and print, they don't want television to succeed. You know, that's their competition. So they wrote stories about it and really kind of got people worked up about saving uh the radio telescopes. And so finally, the FCC relented and they banned uh, Channel 37 for two or 10 years. 
Jeez. And and over time, um, they they were able to make their case that they basically permanently banned that frequency. Uh, so to allow it for radio um, telescope use, and and so channel 37 n really never was. So I just thought that was kind of interesting. It's, it's kind of a, a reach as far as as far as you know paranormal stuff, but. Uh, you know that that that's how we you know pretty much through the 60s and 70s how we listened for aliens. They actually shut down this site um, in I think it was around 1980. But uh, and then about that time, cable television came online, and today you've got a channel 37, but it's all digital. It's a Discovery now. Channel. Yeah, yeah, and which is I, ironic. I, I, I <laughs> thought that was funny. interesting too. I made that <laughs> connection as well. Yeah. Uh, Discovery Channel in in our area is uh, at least make it about science, please. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, it was it was kind of interesting because they they uh, one of the problems they ran into with this radio telescope is. Uh, the the radio telescope basically has to have clean air from like 600 miles from where it was. And included in that 600 miles were populations like Minneapolis, Detroit, St. Louis, and it even gets all the way out into the East Coast, even New York City and, and Philadelphia and some oh, wow. places like that would fall within the boundaries of where those cities would cause interference for this telescope. Um, so it, it's, uh, and they were even able to get um, the Mexican government and the Canadian government to kind of follow suit and kind of protect that frequency for radio telescope use, so. That is amazing. You don't yeah. see that level of cooperation anymore, it seems like. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the, the weird things about that story is very rarely will you see the government say, oh, you know what, we were wrong, you're good, right. Good point. <laughs> um, I, all, I remember being younger that you, the UHF stations were always regarded as like kind of like a bric-a-brac yeah, yeah, Mixed they're a little more of, cheesy. Yeah, yeah, you're getting some weird stuff when you go to the UHF frequencies. Yeah, they, uh, well, in Omaha... One of our biggest UHF stations was KPTM. They d actually oh. didn't come onto the air till 1986. Okay. Uh, but they started off as an independent station. But I thought it was great because they ran all kinds of things like uh, Battlestar Galactica reruns from the 70s and uh, just kind of some old, you know, a lot of old rerun type shows. And uh, it was shortly thereafter they figured out that they needed to align themselves with the network and they got aligned with Fox and then. It wasn't long after that that The Simpsons showed up, and yep. you know the rest is history. Kaboom! So, um, but uh, yeah, it was, it was just kind of an interesting story. Channel Thirty Seven. That's a fun little was never th a thing. That's, I had no idea. I had no idea either. I, I, I saw one guy in a in kind of a, a news group. I was reading about this, and, and the guy said Channel Thirty Seven would be my garage band name if I ever had a garage band. <laughs> I was gonna say, there's so many things you could do with that, man. Like it's such a cool idea. You know, I it's funny that they were using a essentially a. I mean, I guess it doesn't matter if it's a television. It's still a frequency, no matter what, whatever it's used for TV or radio or whatever. Yeah. But they were using it for radio yeah. telescopes. Yeah, that is bonkers. That's why there's there's one channel here in Omaha, Channel Six, that you can actually pick up on the FM frequencies and and hear Channel Six. It's because their frequencies kind of fall in with. Oh yeah. You know what what that. whatever you know frequency it is. 
So you can actually listen to Channel 6 on the radio itself. Well, listen to the TV on the <laughs> gosh dang radio. It's a mind of my palace of my imagination. What kind of magic is this? It reminds me of uh, the movie Signs when they start picking up the alien frequency on the baby monitors. That, <laughs> yep. creepy, that creepy part of that movie. Oh, man, baby monitors. Mm. There's like a whole subculture of creepy things with baby monitors. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We could do a whole episode on that alone. We yeah. should. Yeah. We should for future <laughs> references there. Well, man, talk about a lesser-known uh, pop culture in the paranormal. Pat that's got a, that off the ba- uh, off the basement shelf and dusted it off and brought it up to that's out of the archives. There. That's yeah, out of there the old go. the old basement, <laughs> digging into part of my childhood. There. There. <laughs> Pat with a spoil hat, watching Thirty Seven. <laughs> Don't turn to Thirty Seven; you'll get a nosebleed again. <laughs> it's there, I swear it is. <laughs> well, up next we have uh, the main mystery, and Eddie has brought along. He already has it ready. His his field journal of handwritten notes. So whatever this is, people, it's he's gonna, showing it to the microphone. I'm showing it, Mike. It's gonna be good. Here we go. And now it's time for the main mystery. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, I have a story that I'm going to share with you about a group of extraterrestrials that were traveling through space and they crashed on Earth. Oh, no. Crashed! And they tried, as they might, to fix their ship. And they couldn't do it. They couldn't fix the ship. E.T., no phone home? No phone home. And they realized after several attempts that they were going to not be able to fix their ship and that there was no hope of getting back home. Is this the plot line for Ewok Battle of Endor? Yes! (laughs) How'd you know? That's my elevator pitch. (laughs) No! This is the story of the Dropa Stones. And these are these... This is crazy. And this is where we, we talked about our paranormal research and we listen, we read articles and we come across these books and uh, different things. And I came across this one and one of them, there are these, uh, they're about the size, a little bit smaller than a record or like an LP. And these are these jade and other different types of stone discs. Have you guys heard of these at all? I've heard of them, but I don't know anything about them. So, And every time you say Dropa Stone, I just think, Dropa like it's hot. Dropa like it's hot. <laughs> don't Dropa the Stone. <laughs> drop the Stone. Don't Dropa the Stone. It's a pizza stone. Um, so in Tibet, this is back in the, uh, let me rephrase, let, let me make sure I got my timeline right here because I might have misspoken on when these were done. Yeah, this is in the, ni- the early 60s. Um, yeah, the early 60s, late 50s, these stones were found in Tibet in these intricately carved, artificially carved tunnels and caves in Tibet. They could tell that they were actually carved out by people. They weren't naturally formed um, caves. And these stones, 800 of them, are in these caves. And upon inspection of these stones, and they're made of jade and other types of like rock, but they are milled down to a mirror-type finish. They're very smooth. And there are what appears to be like, in, like lines and grooves in these records or in these uh, stones. And when you look at these lines, that they look like lines, when you put them under a microscope, these lines are actually teeny, teeny, tiny little hieroglyphics. Too, way too small 
to have been chiseled by the current technology of the time. And these stones, they're, they're placing them around 12,000 years old. No oh, telescopes wow. 12,000 years ago, right? So no. what, what would be the point of making letters that small, even if they could have? Why would you make an inscription so small on a thing? How could you do that 12,000 years ago? It's like the opposite of the Nazca lines. Yes, exactly. Yeah. They go <laughs> yeah. big, we go tiny. That's how it, that's how it goes. They, were, yeah, they weren't a fan of like Tom Hanks. They were more of a fan of Rick Moranis. They wanted, <laughs> they wanted honey, I shrunk the drop of stones. Yeah, right. um, and so the story is that there was these extraterrestrials and they and this is where these uh, this story is pulled from the stones. Uh, a, 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 let me see here. His name's Doctor. I want to make sure he's a doctor of what? Doctor Sum Um Nui. Um, and he is a man from China who later on moved to Japan because he got some some drama from from claiming about these stones are. But um, this was an actual. Uh, a series of hieroglyphs that he was able to um, 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 translate. And the translation part, I want to dig into a little bit deeper in how they did this, but there is apparently some loose connection to some of these uh, glyphics and the um, Han Chinese time period. Hmm. But, so, but it was an unlo- unknown language, essentially? I mean... Unknown in the sense that it has variances, but apparently they have Chinese characteristics about some of the hieroglyphics okay. in, in them. Um, Linguistics is interesting. I've actually, um, you know, seen some documentaries. If hypothetically, if if we were to come across an extraterrestrial language, um, we could, we could essentially uh, create an alphabet. Yeah. from that based on the frequency that certain car- letters and words are used because yeah. in every language there's high frequency words and you know so you, there is a way to to essentially reverse engineer a language to figure out what it means so and it sounds I, like that kind of that's what they did and i take that back he said there were some similarities in the hieroglyphs but he himself uh, was able to translate these things um uh very tiny hieroglyphs um and he was able to decipher them into a story that told the story of a spacecraft that had crash-landed in the area near the cave, near the Bayanhar Mountains in Tibet. And the story literally goes, The Dropa came down, the Dropa droped down, came down, droped down from the clouds in their aircraft. Our men, women, and children hid in the caves ten times before sunrise. When at last we understood the sign language of the Dropas, we realized that the newcomers had peaceful intentions. And so the story goes on to explain that they tried to fix their craft, couldn't fix it, didn't have the, cap- the, the necessary materials to do so, and realized that they were just stuck there and did their best to subsist and live. And according to legend, um, there were uh, remains found there that were human-like, but were all very short, five foot, uh, four foot tall, large heads, the whole the whole nine yards there on that one. I wonder if they had like the big eyes. Maybe the, the, you know, that's maybe not, that's how they could see these small small characters. Maybe oh, that's, that's a, a good that's point. That's a good theory, actually. Um, so uh, the discs were examined. Uh, they had, yeah, the grooves or hieroglyphs. Um, they did get met with a lot of skepticism. Um, he published his findings in a journal in 1962 in China and was subsequently met with uh, disbelief and ridicule, and he went ahead and uh, exiled himself, self-imposed exile uh, in Japan to avoid all these things. Um, the thing that blows my mind about these is there's 800 of these things, and that they said, uh, reading about the tiny inscriptions on these, on these discs, um, 
there's no way using 12,000 year old technology to have gotten those to have created those inscriptions on there at all. No way to do it. And they also are really puzzled over the smooth finish of these stones. This is 12,000 years ago. They did not have the tools or techniques to get things down to a like a polished. It looks like a polished stone. It looks like something, you know, just nice and smooth all the way all the way around. Now, do you know if all 800 of these stones were all part of the story of them coming to Earth, or do you, did you see that if some of those stones might have had a different story, you know, about their civilization? From what I've read, not all 800 stones have hieroglyphs on them. Okay. So they're all found together as part of a collection, but not all of them have the same hieroglyphs on them. Uh, I don't know how many of them have them, but a series that they showed museum pictures of these things being displayed but mm-hmm. here's the crazy part there's no museums that show them being on record of having them so this is a very interesting, interesting story there's actual photos of them being shown but no museum will claim that they've actually shown them see that's where you think about raiders of the lost ark and mm-hmm. they put them in some wooden box in some government facility and they're just sitting there somewhere. i tell you so leave it to the russians as well uh the russian scientists have have examined these as well and they went ahead and ran an electric current through these things and apparently when you do that they actually will hum and vibrate like like they were actually almost designed to be used with some sort of power source or something where were all the rocks um you, you, did you mention jade? Like, what, what composition were they? It's mostly jade, but they said you hear jade, especially in that part of the, of the world. With China, you'd think green. Some of them are green, but they said actually a lot of jade is actually brown. Oh, And okay. so the, a lot of these are jade, but they just look like they're just regular old rock. But the jade apparently polishes really well. It can hold that finish. And so they are j- mostly jade stones um but they yeah to this day and this is where it gets really interesting to me like i said is they're twelve thousand years old there's no debate on that apparently around that you can't really date stone but in the cave with them they found like cloth wrappings and things like that like organic style stuff that was near them that they could actually date um you know found in a weird part of the world hand carved caverns 800 of these things and we get back into like twelve thousand years ago you're gonna spend all your time making 800 records made out of jade and putting tiny little hieroglyphs on them because you're bored? I mean, come on. You're you're dodging saber-toothed cats and and woolly mammoth back then. It's like you got better things to worry about. (laughs) So basically you got three theories here, in in my opinion. Either they're wrong about the age of the stones and they're much more recent, Mm -hmm. which I don't think that's true. Uh, Or B, uh, humans 12,000 years ago did possess technology of microscopes and you know, subatomic, you know, laser things that could engrave such a small, um, such small words or C they're extraterrestrial in nature. And if they're extraterrestrial, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what time frame they're from. Cause I, I extraterrestrials from God knows where it could have been around for millions and millions of years. Yeah. So yeah, they're either wrong about the time frame we made them, uh, back in the day or they're, or they're alien either. I mean, the, the last two are just mind blowing either way. Right. They're, uh, yeah. I don't think Chalk is the one, you know, scratching at the stones and no making a, a no. Chaka likes hi- berries. Hieroglyphics. Chaka likes berries and holly. Chaka he doesn't like berries. <laughs> Chaka doesn't want jade discs with <laughs> little <laughs> tiny hieroglyphs. Um, the thing that I also found uh, interesting, Andy, like you said, is that this could be indicative of like a human civilization that was just you know we had advanced technology back in the day. The other thing about this is. Um, 
what happened to these people or these extraterrestrials. And there's a debate that they actually did kind of just commingle and, and kind of interbreed with humans and just kind of become absorbed into the human story that they didn't all necessarily die out that they may have actually. And in some cases, some people have theorized that they may have act, actually helped influence some of the cultures around that area in some ways. And so you know, Tibet's a weird place and it's got a lot of, you know, really cool cultural things. And it's, I mean, it's home to the, to the Yeti mm-hmm. and yeah. some other mysteries. And I just wonder about the history of that area when you're dealing with a 12,000 year old, uh, spaceship crashing there, um, with their people recording the history on these tiny, that, and that gets my brain thinking too. What would you, what would you do if you're like, we're going to die and we got to, do a record of our existence here. There's no tools, no technology for us to do anything with. We know we can do this on rock. We got a little laser drill back here that can, you know, mm-hmm. you know, Ignok over here can. <laughs> he's like, you got it, <laughs> and he can he can carve this in here with a little you know tool and kind of preserve our story. It's kind of smart too if they did it on rocks. They knowing rocks are going to be around for a very very long time. As opposed to, you know, if they did it on a sheet of paper, it would be, yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't have survived this long. Paper's not going to last twelve thousand no. years. And and the last thing, and I know this sounds like a total like a, a a paranormal you know believers thing to say, but this guy, the doctor Sum uh, Sum Um Nui, um, his um, story is interesting to me because this guy, there's a published article, there's a published book from this man, yet he basically disappears in in the store in the story of this. And I'm like, mm-hmm. here's the thing. This is very hard to disprove when you have technology being displayed, kind of like the crystal skulls almost. You have technology Mm -hmm. being showed off that this could not have existed this long ago. And these people are writing down, this is what happened. This is what we did. And this is where we're from. Oh, little thing I left out, in the cave. So on the stones is the story of where we came from. This is what we do. On the cave walls, there's chiseled in uh, representations of the solar system, the sun, and a dotted dotted lines from the Earth showing, uh, projecting out into different constellations where they believe that these people are actually from. That's crazy. Wow. On the cave that's, walls. That's wild. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, the, the thing thing that's interesting to me is it, you can't see these things. They've got pictures of them. Yeah. But where are they? Yeah. Where, where are, are they these today? things now? Yeah. Yeah, they're That's, not being displayed in a museum. I mean, I, I guess, you know, if governments are involved, there's, I guess that's no surprise. But that's weird. It is weird. You know, but the thing is, for any non-believers uh, who want to maintain the status quo about our knowledge of what humans were capable of 12,000 years ago, what do you do? You discredit the source. Yeah, you, make you know, a guy doctor, a nut you know, doctor, you know, Chinese doctor here's nuts. Mm-hmm. The end of story. You know, that's that's what they do, and that's what that's what human. That's what governments. That's what people have been doing for as long as we could speak. If somebody yeah. you know has a theory or an idea, you either hush him or discredit him. They did mm-hmm. the same thing to Galileo. They did the same thing to Copernicus. They, you know, it's unfortunately history repeats itself, right? Well, it does up until recently, apparently, because the government's now like, yeah, that report that came out, I mean, they talked about it, you know, (laughs) oh, yeah, they are real. We don't know what they are, though. Anyway, moving on. That's literally the report. Nothing to see here. That's the report. (laughs) You know, it's like, yeah, these are things that do these things. We don't know who who has them. These things, by the way, are vehicles that violate the laws of physics that we know (laughs) on every level and everything, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) These reasons, and we talked about this a show or two ago, but it's like, 
That, that's what they're saying. We don't know what they are. They could be Chinese. They could be Russian. And but at the same time, these these Navy pilots are like, yeah, it dropped thirteen thousand feet in one second, and then stock came to a complete stop. <laughs> yeah, one inch above the ocean. <laughs> you yeah, get China and Russia on the phone, they'll they'll shake their head. That nobody on yeah. this planet has technology that can do that. Yeah. Well, and the, not even a drone. It would shatter a drone. <laughs> it would destroy the drone. Yeah. And drones still have a perceptible uh, way of propulsion. They have uh, propeller blades. Yeah. You know, and these things don't have that. They're, they look like a little pill flying through the sky. <laughs> a 40-foot long one. By Wee! <laughs> like it looks like a minion floating around <laughs> on its side. I, yeah, so with this kind of story um, on its surface, and as you dig into it a little bit more, it's like, of course, the guy was discredited. Of course, he exiled himself. He probably got killed, frankly. <laughs> um, and uh, it's a very interesting story. You can see pictures of these. If you just uh, Google this up, we'll put a picture up on our, on our page, but there's tons of photos of these things. The Dropa Stones, D-R-O-P-A. And uh, some people say Dropa, and I'm like, it's not a double P. It's not a double P. <laughs> um, uh, the, the Dropa Stones... And these are these, they're very pretty looking. They look like just a little bit smaller than a record. And they have a hole in the middle, too, by the way. That's one thing that oh. they have. A, each one of them has a hole in the middle. And someone was like, well, that's just proves to you that it was on a rotating thing. I'm like, of course it was on a rotating thing. How else would you do this? Like, mm -hmm. that doesn't mean it wasn't an extraterrestrial who did this. Right. Um, it's the inscriptions that are the thing you want to get you know, get into. These, these tiny, tiny little hieroglyph hieroglyphics that you couldn't read with your eyes. They look like lines. Like they look like actual lines until you put it under a microscope and you're like, "Con Sarnet, <laughs> it's languages. <laughs> I can't read." But eight hundred of them. Eight hundred. You know, stones. Again, that kind of alludes to the fact these weren't chiseled; they were made quickly with some sort of precision tool. Can you imagine how how long it would take even a group of people to chisel by hand eight hundred of these things in they, such detail? Dude, dude, they weren't chiseling them. It's twelve thousand years ago. This isn't even like this is pre Bronze Age. They had yeah. to literally grind them down with like tiny pebbles and like they were the the, the scientists are like. Oh, they had to use a chemical process. I'm like, they didn't know what chemicals were. What were they doing, dude? What are you doing? And they're like, like the the culture of the ancient area of people probably had some understanding of basic, like you know, like sanding things down with like rough things. And I'm, we try so hard when it's obviously the aliens. We just try so hard. Anyway, I digress. The Dropa Stones. You'll blow your mind if you look this up. So it's a very fun rabbit hole to go down. Very nice. Well, two out of our three segments were very much lesser known, so I like that. A very unique episode here. So uh, good segments, guys. Yeah, fun yeah. time for sure. And uh, we say this every episode, but if there's a new listener, you can find us on social media. Find us on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. If you got a cool story, um, there's a very good chance if you send us, email us, call us with your story, uh, it could be featured on our show. Uh, you can reach us at paranormaldads at gmail.com. And look for us, like Andy said, on Facebook and Instagram. We respond to messages there, too. And it's a fun time. We try to put up some fun things. And if we see some weird things, and we can snap a photo of it. We put it up on those, those things as well. And, uh, yeah, also, if you're interested in some uh, Paranormal Dads swag, let us know. Uh, I've come up with a new vendor for us that will allow us to kind of turn things around a little bit quicker and more fun for you and give us a little bit of variety on some stuff that we can offer you guys. So um, if you want some Paranormal Dad stuff for your friends and family, hit us up. Hey, and I just want to thank everybody again for listening to the show. I've had a number of people come up to me just recently and, and ask, hey, when's the next episode come out? And I know we're not the most regular group out there on the internet. That's true. But, but uh, um, for example, Tarika, I, I think I hope I'm saying that right, Tarika, 
from New Zealand uh, sent us a message and said, hey guys, what's up? <laughs> We're the next show. So uh, thank you for writing us and uh, thank you for keeping us honest and you know, we do what we can and we enjoy doing it and we thank you very much for uh, listening to us. All right, everybody, have a good one. Keep it spooky. Take care. Bye. How's that? Is that, is that tightened it up? Yep. Nice. Droopy mic syndrome has been corrected. All right. And two out of ten American males suffer from it. It's nothing to be ashamed of. <laughs> Every time I look in my... Uh, I got pictures of Darwin just storming the gate here. <laughs> Darwin just, just he didn't care. <laughs> he was going to be a part of this podcast. He just shoved his like, booty hole He's right like, if Sarah gets to be on the show, <laughs> like, I want to be on the show. He's like, what do I think of your show? Mm. I, show it, I show it to my fanny, yeah. I show it to my butt cheeks. Both of them. Are we, are we recording? Uh, yes, we are recording. Okay. You're first. I'm second. Third. Got All it. right, here we go. <laughs> La 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 la